do you feel like there's a specific moment that made you realize like that I need to start cherishing the people around me my best friend I lost her last year she was always the type of person that like wanted to travel and we'd be like why is she going over there to travel like why are you going to Japan like she'll really be traveling like to crazy places and then when I lost her I realized like this was my longest friend um I realized I'm gonna start living my life and doing whatever and start giving people time because she will always call me like Always call me. And if I don't respond, she'll call me again. Like, always call me. Always coming to my gigs. Always in my face. And now that I don't have that, I'm just like, damn. I should have cherished that more. This is Sad Boy Radio. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Sad Boy Radio. Today we got our 100th episode. And we got a very special guest for our 100th episode. We got DJ, producer, entrepreneur, She's played at Summer Smash, The Trap Queen. She's opened up at Power 92, Sway in the Morning. But where did you even see that? Go ahead and introduce yourself. I am Simi, um, female DJ, like you said, entrepreneur, producer, and Chicagoan. She looked at me all crazy. Like I said, some, like like I said some unknown aspect. I knew he was going to pull out some random stuff from the past because I don't even know where the sway in the morning like stuff is because I deleted like most of that stuff. Why'd you delete that? Because I cleared out my Instagram. I just wanted to start over last year. So I was like, okay, let me just start over fresh. But like that's a huge ass accomplishment. I know. I should low-key put it back on my Instagram. It's a lot of things like Summer Smash. That's gone too. You don't even see like I did Summer Smash. You wouldn't know. What made you have this fresh start? My Instagram got hacked. I didn't have the two-step authentication like I was supposed to. And, um, yeah, they went in. Like, it was cursing everybody out that was, like, my friends and everything and just took over my page, like, scamming everybody. And other people got hacked through me, so I really feel bad about it. But um, after that, I didn't have an Instagram for three months, and I wasn't really getting booked like that. It Damn, was just... They fucked their shit <laughs> It was bad. <laughs> it was so bad. I started a new Instagram I had, like, 500 followers on there, and it was everybody that was supposed to follow me. And um, I was just posting whatever I wanted on there. Like, I will take a selfie or whatever and post it, and I didn't really feel like I had to just think, overly think about what I'm posting, as I do now with, like, you know, because sometimes the followers make a difference because you got people following you that, you know, you're trying to, get like, get people's attention. So, I don't know. After that, I got my Instagram back. Very lucky to get it back because a lot of people don't. And I was like, let me start over. I was like, if I get my Instagram back, I'm starting over. New attitude. And ever since then, I just, I've been going on from there. But I deleted everything, all my accomplishments from the past. I was just like, I'm starting over. How do you feel about that, though? Because I feel like getting rid of everything you've accomplished, everything that you've done, it's kind of like... Like, where do you go from there? I don't feel bad about it because I'm like, the real ones know. I do feel like I should promote some of that stuff, though, but I'm like, it was so long ago. I'm just, I feel like I'm a new person now. I'm not even the same semi I was. Here's how I look at it, and it was perfect because it's episode 100, right? Congratulations. Thank you. I was reposting all of those reels from before, and I'm like, damn, like, the growth in how it looks the ways that I think, the how I know how to cut, like all these differences that like nobody else would notice, but I notice, right? 
And over time, it just keeps building and building and building. And sure, you look back at the old shit and you're like, damn, does it really need to be here? But there's also those things that you learn from that experience. Mm -hmm. When I listen to a specific song, it takes me back to that time and place. The moment that, the moment and the reason I loved that song. So when I look at videos or a picture or something, right? Something like a memory from Sway in the Morning. It's like, damn, I was this person at that time. I had this going on in my life. And a lot of the times that's connected to people. I had this person in my life. Now I don't. And it's like, damn, what if they seen what I do now? Back then, I didn't even know where I was going with the DJing for real. I really just thought, I'm just going to DJ. I didn't even see it on like a rock star level. Like, let me try to travel and tour and go, you know, go places and try to DJ other places. I was just like, oh, I got Sway in the morning. Okay, let me just do this. Oh, Summer Smash, let me just do this. And now I look back at it, I wasn't expecting it be where I am now. So that's a good point. Hey, you were blowing up the Summer Smash people. Tell, <laughs> tell the people about that shit. I was the first person to DJ. It was me and Prem, um that were like, oh, we were opening for the third stage because back then with Summer Smash it was the two big the two big stages and then you have the stage where it's DJs or like you know local talent. So I was the first one at twelve o'clock. I was so excited. I'm like, I'm about to do Summer Smash. It's about to be a big crowd. Yeah, and I did it, and it was it was still a good experience because I never I've never been on a stage that big. So I was like, the fact that I was even on a lineup like that. Shout out to Speaker Box and Lyrical Lemonade. The fact that I even had a chance to even DJ something like that, it was very special at the time because that was like the biggest thing. And I couldn't wait to announce it. It was just, it was just a new point in my career. Um, and then when I got there, <laughs> it was like not a lot of people yet, but I was still appreciative of, a, of the experience because it's Summer Smash. And now look at Summer Smash now. I got to say I got to be a part of something like that. So even though the crowd wasn't to your standard or to anybody's standard yeah. in a sense, right? What do you feel like you took away from that experience? I realized what I can do because even myself then, I was more of a DJ that would just sit there and just play a song. Like after that set, my friend was like, you were so dry. Because <laughs> I was like so nervous and I was literally just sitting there like, Oh, my goodness. And I realized if it was a crowd there, I don't even know what I would have done because I didn't have that experience yet. You were DJ press play? <laughs> I was so nervous. And my friend was like, you did a good job. But I just realized that I had more to work on. I tell myself every time I see, like, a festival coming, and if I want to be a part of it, if I want to try to reach out and see if I want to be a part of it, I tell myself, like, are you ready? I know I'm ready now, but, like, back then I was just, like, you know, I was just ready for it all. And then I got there and I was scared. So I have to, like, ask myself, like, are you really ready? You got to be truthful with yourself. <laughs> but it was a good experience. And that was, like, the best, the best, one of the best DJ gigs of my life because I realized a lot of things. What is one of those things that you realized? What I needed to work on. But I also realized that I had power in that moment, too. Like, a lot of people don't get to share these experience or have this experience. So the fact that I was even called to DJ for Summer Smash, I realized that I had power. Because around that time, I was just doubting myself. And a lot of people would tell you that I came across, I will always say I'm about to do this, but I don't know if I'm worthy of doing this. Like, I don't know if I, if I practice enough or if I have the songs. I, I always found a way to doubt myself. 
it would be like, okay, I'm doing this, but even with Sway in the Morning, I'm doing this, but I realized during that moment, you did Summer Smash. So what can't you do? And why are you limiting yourself? Why are you doubting yourself? So that was a huge time um, going through that right before COVID, like 2019, early 2020. I was realizing the things that I can do. It's that imposter syndrome. <laughs> that, that should be kicking everybody's ass where you can accomplish the biggest thing and you don't even realize it. You don't realize what you've done and the impact it's having on not only your career, but the people around you. A lot of people start to view you a certain way, but you don't see yourself that way. And it's like, when will I start to feel like this person that I need to be? I was just talking to my coworkers today. Mm-hmm. And they're all older. They're like 32 and up, right? And I asked them, I'm like, when did you guys actually start to feel like an adult? And they're like, what's that? <laughs> I still don't feel like an adult. I just said that I don't feel like an adult. I feel like a big kid because when I see adult, I see what I saw growing up. I see you go to work, you come home, you cook meals. I want to go out. I want to go to work or go outside. Like, I want to go outside. I want to travel. I want to do whatever I can to have a lit life. And I'm like, is this normal to live this way? Because there's so many people, like, when I was growing up that just had that normal lifestyle. Like, you buy a house and you have your kids and you, you know, you travel occasionally. And I'm just like, I just want to go. So I just feel like I'm still a kid, too. But I mean, it'd be like that, right? Because at the end of the day, you got to do everything you want in life before you finally say, hey, like, I'm good. I've accomplished every single thing I wanted to. And if it were to all end today, you know, God forbid... I can say I was happy with the life I lived. Real yeah. quick, though, before we move on, is it true you were blowing up everybody's phone so you could get on the Summer Smash lineup? <laughs> is that a for real? Wait, how do you know that, too? Um, oh, I be knowing everything. I'm so weak. I literally... Because <laughs> this is stuff I would never tell anyone. But honestly, I don't even care because if you judge me, you judge me. I will call every Monday at a certain time. I was working, like, a, uh, my corporate job... And, like, I'll go in the bathroom. I'm like, 11 a.m. Monday. I already know. I'm calling. I'm going to see about Summer Smash. And I will call every more, every Monday at 11 a.m. And I don't even know if he picked that up that I will call at the same time every time. Did you ever get through? Yeah. That's how I got on the lineup. I thought you were just leaving, like, a voice message. No. I would call every time. And he would be like, okay, I got you. And I'll call again, like, okay, until I see my name on the lineup. But honestly, I don't see nothing wrong with that because a lot of people won't even notice who you are or notice you at all if you don't reach out and put yourself in a position of getting that gig or getting whatever you want to get. That's what a lot of things... Lately, I haven't been reaching out. But, like, I make it my business once a month to make a list of all the brands and everybody I want to work for. And I find the contacts and I just reach out. They wouldn't even know who Simi was if I didn't reach out. So I don't even... Think of that as a bad thing. It's because we're afraid of the perception that others are going to have. So we're afraid that once people find out, like, oh, we're... It, it almost feels like we're begging, right? And people don't like to beg. Nobody likes to beg for anything. But you have to put yourself out there to get these opportunities, right? That's how this all started. Without hitting up a person for an interview, we wouldn't make it to fucking 100. So... That's how I think of it, right? You got to you gotta put your ego aside. And at some point, you got to pick it back up and say, like, I'm worth, I'm worth this now. When I first did it, 
I wasn't worth shit. So yeah, I'm gonna look for the opportunities. I'm gonna reach out to the right people and make shit happen. It's just a few steps, and then after that, everything started coming to me. Mm -hmm. Like I made a list, and half of the brands on that list, they reached out to me. So I was like, whoa. Like, I only have two more brands on that list that aren't crossed off yet. And it was, like, 20 on there. What are the top three that you've done so far? It was a lot of sports brands because I will always see um, some of, like, my favorite DJs. They would do all—a lot of sports brands book DJs. Like, a lot of other brands don't. Maybe they do, and I'm just, I'm just not in that realm yet. But in Chicago, it's a lot of sports brands. So it was, like, Nike and um, Jordan— Locker. I was just naming like those type of brands and I got booked for them. I didn't reach out to none of them. They reached out to me. So it's just manifestation. I write everything down. So we talked about you DJing, right? You, all these experiences you've had. And we named three categories at the beginning. DJ, producer, entrepreneur. These are all major categories and jobs that you have, that you possess. And each of these three categories requires something different from you. And it's hard a lot of the times because you don't know where to put your energy. Sometimes it's mentally, physically, the time commitment. You have time commitments with people, with your jobs. And a lot of the times, the jobs take precedent over anything else that you do. I want to go over each of those three categories. First, I want to start with entrepreneurship, the juice room. Yes, my it's baby. A, it's a creative space where you allow artists to be introduced to engineers, producers, just a gathering space, right? And it's great for creatives to really get to know one another. Why was it so important for you to start this for artists? I love this. I love this. I never get a chance to talk about Juice Room, and a lot of people don't even know that I'm behind it because I haven't really put my all into it. My bad. I had no fucking clue. And I feel like I'm about to really put my all into it. But um, a lot of people were saying you, before TikTok even was like, before I even got on TikTok for real, a lot of people used to always tell me that I had good music taste. And I'll be like, okay, I wish I could. I used to post, like if I see my favorite artist post something on Instagram, I'll put it on my story. And I was like, okay, I need to, my, I need my Instagram to be about me. <laughs> So I was like, okay, let me create another page where I just post new music, music I like. So it wasn't even about interviews and artists at first. It was just about me posting my favorite music and posting new music or whatever. And then I just started seeing people doing interviews, but it wasn't the way that I would do an interview. So I pulled my girl, Carla G. Um, she's a female rapper in Chicago. And I was like, okay, let's do an interview with her. And we, we we were like, it's it's juice room, so let's bring alcohol into it, which we don't do interviews anymore with liquor. Um, we we changed that up. Why'd you change it? A lot of the artists, like, we were getting lit with them, and I'm like, I want to keep a professional stand with everybody. I don't want people to think we can just get lit every day, like, when we see each other now, because we got that, we had that one great time at juice room, like, and I want to be professional, and I don't want people to tell too much, because it was, we had to do a lot of editing, with that, because we were, they were getting, like, people were getting plastered. <laughs> it could have been, like, Drink Champs. You were Drink Champs before Drink Champs. But I'm like, it's tied to my name, so, and I'm a, I'm a female, I'm about my business, I don't want people to think I'm playing games, because I don't, I don't do that. So, we were, they would pull out of a, um, a jar, and, like, if it says drink, you drink, and if it's a question, you answer the question, and then at the end, they perform, like, they latest song. So, we were doing that for a minute, and then we brought DJs into it. Um, they would say their top five songs 
that or artists to look out for and play a song. And then we had producer series. So it just started growing. And then um, before we even, like, before Juice Room even grew, we were throwing events. Like, we did, like, a boiler room type thing where we had Scully, Cash Era, um, Finesse Fest, and they, it was like a rave. So we started doing events, and then COVID happened. COVID literally killed everything. Um, and then we started picking up, like, the producer series, the DJ series. Um, and it's pretty slow right now because, like you said, I am doing a lot. But I'm trying to get into concerts. Like, that's the biggest thing. And this is probably my first time saying this on, in a mic or on a, on a show or anything. I want Juice Room to be an outlet for a lot of, like, underground talent. I want to just start pushing that. So whether it's music, interviews, concerts, I just want that to be just a, a platform for it. And I want it to be tailored to me, like people I like. I don't even care if it's like, oh, it's an underground rapper, he's blowing up. If you don't juice from this because I like you, I like your music, and that's that. So I still want it to be kind of, because it was, the page was for me to like post my favorite thing. So I still want it to be that. Kind of like a ghetto flower type thing, right? I pull a lot of music from ghetto flower when it comes to juice room. Like I'll go on ghetto flower and I'll be like, oh, what they post? Let me hear this. I'll go on a playlist. They put me on with a lot. So shout out to them. So why? Why was it so important for you to start Juice Room, right? You started it because it was something for you. It wasn't, it wasn't really anything for these artists. But why do you feel like now it's so important to maintain it for the artists? You know, from the block where they were on the... Uh, well, from the I think it's called From the Block, right on the mic. Mm. No one was doing anything like that at the time in Chicago. Like... So I was like, I wanted to have artists come and perform their songs live and it be a thing. So I kind of want to say, like, we kind of pushed that. I feel like it was important for, I feel like it was important for people to hear new music. So we kind of pushed having artists come on and, like, do a live performance. And now it's, like, a big thing now. I'm like, that's super cool. Like, everybody has an outlet where you can come and, like, perform your song but that's really what I wanted. I wanted people to be familiar with music. It was really important to me. I'm a DJ, and you can't do so much on your page. I don't want to irritate people that just want to know what I got going on. So I was like, why not create an outlet where they can go? What's com what, com what comes out on Friday? Let me see. Let me go on Juice Room and see. I want to know how you were able to maintain everything. Like, that, that just sounds crazy, right? You're doing this side project that requires a lot of time, video editing, creating graphics, all that shit. You're full-time DJ. I'm sure at this time, were you still doing your corporate job? Yeah, I was. You just had a lot of shit going on. How did you even find time to balance it all? I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> like, I talk to certain people and they're like, Simi, you're all over the place. But one thing I'm learning this year, and I think that's why this year, things are coming to me easier than ever. Because I pick days. Like, I'll make a schedule for myself. And I'm just like, okay, this day you're focusing only on this. This is your cutoff time. You're working on beats at this time. It's very hard because I do have them times where I just feel crazy and I have, I have a text where I'm like, okay, you need to center yourself. But that's what I was telling you earlier. Some days I have to stop everything and I'm like, I'm going to go to the movies or I'm going to go out and with my friends or something. You got to schedule your time right. And it's a lot of discipline. I can't go out all the time. A lot of people be like... Timmy, you're never outside. I mean, if I go outside, then nothing will be done. Do you feel like it would be easier if you just picked one thing and focused on it? I'm just so crazy when it comes to where I want to be in a few years. 
Like, I'm just like, by 30, I just want to have certain things done. And I do want to pick one thing, but it's just like, when I, if I do ch decide to work on Juice Room, then people are asking for sunglasses, and what do I tell them? I don't have none. The shop is closed. Like, I just feel like it's so many working things that I need to be where I want to be. And that's probably a personal issue. Like, I probably do need to sit down and think, like, okay, could I just do one thing? But I just wouldn't feel right because I feel like I'm neglecting my other babies. I think, for the most part, what it comes down to is it's a personal thing, right? Yeah. You're, you're really so focused on, I already created this, and letting it go feels like I'm letting go a part of me. And if I'm letting go a part of me, then I'm just, I'm lost. I don't, I don't know who I am anymore. So I've always told people, I think the best thing you can do is choose one thing, become great at that thing. And once you become the, once you become the best, once you become so undeniable, you go on to the next thing. Just like Kanye West. Kanye West has done it all, but he did it one by one by one. I was a producer first before I was even a DJ. I'll produce, and that's what wanted me to be a DJ, because I was like, okay, I want to make some money now. You know, what's the quick way to make money? Maybe along, you know, along the lines, I'll figure out, you know, a better way to do this, but I feel like I'm fine. Like, <laughs> maybe I'm a maniac, but I feel like I'm fine. I love working. I love feeling like, I'm doing something to that impacts, you know, something even bigger. And I feel like I have a good motion right now. Said I got motion right now. Leave me alone. No. Literally. And I feel like if anybody is, you know, trying to figure out what they should do and if they should do one thing, just follow your heart. Because, like, I mean, obviously what I'm doing, like, if I did put more time into DJing, I do feel like I, I could be a bigger DJ. If I put more time into producing, I could be a bigger producer. But... I feel like I'm getting a good rhythm right now, so. How do you feel like entrepreneurship has changed your view of the business as an artist? A lot of artists don't have that business side of them. They don't know how to professionally write an email, how to talk to you. When I handle business with people through email, bro, like, people don't even know how to spell. <laughs> so I feel like being an entrepreneur, I learned how to act with other people in the industry. I f a lot of people say, send me, you're so mature. Like, that's because I've been through a lot, like, with business. And I just feel like if you want to be respected and you want people to, you know, when you walk in a the room, they're like, oh, that's so-and-so? Let, let me get my shit together. You got to be good with business. So just being an entrepreneur and having these conversations with people, knowing how to talk, knowing how to get what you want without... I know we used the word begging earlier, but, like, now I feel like I don't even beg. I just know how to get what I want without, you know, doing the most. Because you just know how to move when you're an entrepreneur. And it's helped me with conversations as a DJ, as a producer. And with being an entrepreneur, there's a lot of business decisions you have to make. One of the hard decisions you had to make early on was, let's get rid of the alcohol to our show. Because you need to set that boundary. There's a line that must be drawn when it comes to having people in your space and they're the homie and you're chilling and having people in your space and you're the owner and you need to take care of business. What's one of those tough decisions you've had to make as an entrepreneur and how has it affected your mindset afterwards? Being an entrepreneur, there's no we're friends or we're family. It's business. So that was the biggest thing I had to do as an entrepreneur is, like you said, set a boundary, create a wall because 
at the end of the day, like I said, it's business. And I feel like it was a lot of situations that I was letting fly that looking back on, I'm glad I stopped, you know, the madness when I did because that'll mess up your business and then you're looking crazy. Like, why am I failing or what's going on? You just always got to be ten toes down. You always got to be alert no matter who you're working with. And that's one thing I had to learn. Every decision you make, you have to think on it. Being an entrepreneur, I had to do research. I couldn't just, oh, I want to just buy all these glasses or I want to just book these people. Like, I had to do my research on what I wanted to do to make this a sound decision. Um, but the main thing was setting boundaries. Even for yourself, what are you allowing yourself to do? How How late am I staying up? You know, how much work am I putting in? It's just a lot of things I had to evaluate um, with myself and with people. And like you said, right, separating the business and the friendship, that's one of the hardest things that you have to do because now you got to realize, like, my money's going to start being impacted, but I also need to maintain these relationships. And you get caught in the middle. It's like, like they say, being stuck between a rock and a hard place. It's like, fuck, like, what do I do? Where do I go from here? How do you feel like you've grown as a person through entrepreneurship? Being an entrepreneur, when you start growing and growing and growing, it's like the little things that you think are failures, it's just, it's like, all right, I knew that was going to happen. Because it would be times where I fail. Like, it was actually the first job I had for Semi Shades, I didn't even get, like, any, I didn't get any money from it. Because I didn't know what I was doing. And now it's like, the more I put out things, the more I do with my businesses, it's like I know what to expect. And it just takes the experience to just know what, you know, know how to handle situations. So even if I did fail, I just know how to handle it better. I think that's what comes out of being an entrepreneur the most. Failure is the best professor. You can't give up. I mean, just like we were talking about right before the interview, right? I've had so many bad things happen. I've had everything that could possibly go wrong, go wrong lately from the event not being where I wanted it to be because of weather to cancellations with interviews. Like, everything has just been going wrong. And I've been telling my people lately, I'm like, everybody goes through a bunch of bad shit and they become this close to where they want to be. And then they give up. And I feel like that's the position I'm being put in right now. God has put me in this position where I'm this close to where I want to go. And all these bad things are going to happen before I can get there because it's going to truly show, like, how bad do I want this? How bad do I want to accomplish what I've always been saying? And you just got to keep pushing. You got to keep persevering because if you quit now, somebody else is just going to come up and take what you didn't. It's like, why would you want to quit? Because, like you said earlier, if you quit, what else, what are you going to do? From entrepreneurship to production, mm-hmm. your mom and dad were... They were youth minister, what choir directors, or something what like that, fuck? right? I don't, I don't know if I <laughs> like got the terminology what? right, but they were, they were helping with the youth yeah. choir, right? My dad was a choir director, and my mom is like the church, like secretary, and they're like heavy in music, like heavy. Like my mom sings, my dad like plays the piano, and they put me in piano super early. Why production? Why did you choose to go into? Being a producer. I've always played the piano and things like that. Like, I knew I wanted to do something in music. Like, when I went to college, I was like, I want to do something with music. But I didn't know. And I just settled for marketing. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to just do marketing. But I was working in the dining hall at school. 
I was like the dining hall person. And it was a cook, and he was like, I make beats for so-and-so. I produce so-and-so for Famous Dex. I did this, this, this. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, yeah, he did. He did. And he was like, I'm going to give you the whole FL studio. He gave me the whole program one day after, like, we were working. And I was like, okay, I'm going to fuck with it. I went home, and I just started cooking up. The first beat I made was so raw. I had all my friends from college come to the, like, come to my um, apartment. It was, it was like a student apartment or whatever. And listen to the beat all together. And he was like, oh, my God, you next year you're going to be producer for so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. So that was like, okay. And then I just started producing more and more. And that's where it all started. It was that one. My first beat was raw. It's probably the rawest beat I ever made, to be honest with you. It all started from me just working in a dining hall and meeting him. And I always tell him and his homies, because they're, they're not, they didn't even go to the college. They were just workers at the dining hall. I always tell them, like, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't even, maybe I would have became a producer, but he gave me the tools I needed. He, he was the plug, for real. Cause I wouldn't even be a DJ if I wasn't a producer. I became a DJ because I was like, I need money in college. And people were buying beats from me in college for like $15. And I was like, if I was a DJ, I could charge like 100 an hour. Like in college, I was just thinking of stuff like that. And I was like, oh my God, no female DJs down here. So... If I wasn't a producer, I wouldn't have been a DJ. So that's straight fact. What college you go to? ISU, Illinois State, Redbirds. That's gross. <laughs> Where the, you the go? The cornfields. I went to UIC. That's gross too. But oh my god, there ain't shit to do in ISU. At least I stayed here. ISU is where I really went through a time. Like I went through a time there. I was not myself, and that's I started producing like sophomore year, and then I DJ like my senior year. But that whole period, that that's where I was the most creative, though. I went through a really, like, sad time. I didn't really know who I was. I was just, like, you know, I was just settling for whatever. What do you feel, like, made you feel lost? Well, growing up, I always was, like, a reserved person. And I always just wanted to be crazy. Like, and deep down inside, I was, like, I just wanted to just do whatever I wanted to do. But I just always felt, like, I just, I, I went through a time where I wasn't worthy enough. And a lot of people don't know that, like, I went through a really depressed time. And I just felt like I just wasn't worthy of a lot of things. And it was just me. It, it wasn't other people. It was me. A, a few people would, you know, try to judge. You know, people judge you when you're growing up and you believe them. And I just always carried that with me throughout, like, that time period. So in college, that's when I started realizing how creative I was. But I was still, like, in, a, in that mode where I just didn't think I was worthy enough to do things that I'm doing now. Do you feel like there was a specific incident that made you feel that way? Yeah, I'm not going to speak on it because I grew so much that I don't even, like, go back to that. What was it that was making Simi doubt herself? I just think it was the way I was. I wasn't very vocal. Like, now I, I talk you up and down. I, I correct you. I Hey. But back then, I let people just, you know, think whatever. I was just this person, so people didn't think I, you know speak up for myself, or people didn't think that I could do certain things. Like, it was this one instance, this girl was like, we was playing this game, and it was like, who do you guys not see owning a business? And this girl said me, and everybody was like, ha, ah. And I was, I'm sensitive, I'm a cancer, so I took that to heart. Let me find out that's the whole reason you started two businesses. I swear to you, like, I actually told one of my friends um, from college the other day, I'm like, I remember she told me that. Like, this girl told me, like, she didn't see me owning no businesses. Like, someone ain't gonna own no business, blah, blah, blah. And now look at me. 
I got all these businesses. So, and I was in college. It was just a lot of things like that. People really was playing with me because I was quiet. I wasn't quiet, but I was like, you know, I wasn't who I am now, like more assertive and just, you know, just, you know, I ain't had that, mm, you know, that little spice. That shit's crazy. I can't believe she really said that shit to your face. Yeah. When I started thinking of myself differently, that's when everybody started seeing me differently. People started respecting me more. When I seen what I could do and the power I had, honestly, so. And unfortunately, that happened after college. And I always have these times where I'm like, damn, I wish I could have just like, you know, because that's the time where you free. Like, college, you real free. You ain't got no responsibilities for real. Like, but everything happens for a reason. And I feel like I'm here today because of all of those experiences. Like, situations like that in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, I, I you don't see me owning a business? Okay, look at me. I'm doing this. And you know what? That's probably why I work so hard, because a lot of people didn't see me doing a lot of things. For you, you've previously said that you wish that you had started producing earlier, mm -hmm. but then you backtracked and said that your path is your path, and you just got to own it. Elaborate on that a little bit. I did say I, want, I wish I started producing earlier, because I feel like now I probably had a big hit, like... A lot of producers start at, like, 10. Like, if you hear a lot of producers in interviews, they're like, oh, I started producing when I was 10 years old. So that's, I do remember saying that. I would I would have wished, I wish I would have started earlier because I feel like I would have been in a different position now. But I'm in the right place because I don't know. Like, when I started producing when I did, that's when, like I said, it was a lot of, like, good music coming out. So I feel like I had that ear for that. And that's kind of what shaped my sound now. What do you feel like caused the switch in mentality? I landed up um, a placement on like a TV show or whatever, and I'm like, okay, maybe it was meant for me to produce at the time I did because I'm still learning, and I just feel like I wouldn't have had the opportunities I have now. It's just all about experience and experience and growth. So yeah, I could have started producing then, but I probably wouldn't be semi, you know. Mm -hmm. I'd be somebody else, you know, just making beats. I feel like everything I do, t like, ties in together. So what sets me apart production-wise? One thing about me, I could make any type of beat. So I'm venturing into pop, like, more now, and house. So I want to be... I want to be that ultimate producer soon. Mm -hmm. And that's why... I haven't been doing a lot of gigs. I don't know if people have noticed. I've been, it still seems like I've been doing a lot, but like this weekend I have no gigs because I want to like lock in. And I do want to go back to, you know, what you said, right? That you wish you had done something. And I always think of it like this. You can't think about the what ifs. You can't focus on what if I had done this. That's the one thing I don't do in any of my interviews. I don't ever ask somebody, well, do you wish you had done this? What if you had done it this way? Because those are just hypotheticals now. We're not here to talk about what if you hypothetically did something or hypothetically this didn't happen in your life. We're here, we're here to talk about the things that you've been through and how it's impacted you. And where did your life go after that? I think the only person whose interview was kind of like that was Ozone's. And it's titled, What Would My Life Have Been? And that's because Ozone, Ozone's like the big homie, right? You talk to Ozone and he's been through a lot of shit in life where had he chose a different path, had certain things panned out differently, his life could have looked a lot different. 
So when I was talking to him, I was really talking to him from like, okay, what can I take away from you and what shouldn't I do that you went through? I don't do the what ifs because everyone says everything happens for a reason, but the knowledge I have now, I wouldn't even want to go back and say what if because even as a producer, I used to, it's just so many things I used to do that you're not supposed to do as a producer, like sending your beats without a tag. You're about to get your shit stolen. <laughs> I used to send my beats with 100 tags through them. No one's listening to that if it's 100 tags in them. I thought that was cool. Then I would, like, go on Twitter and send beats to any everybody and their mama. Like, it was just certain things I was doing that, like, I just... Now, I wouldn't have... I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done. How do you feel like you've grown as a person through production? It created structure for me. Because with production, that's the one thing I'm serious about. Like, if Semi Shades and Juice Room goes away, like, I know production... I'll have that forever. That's something you can get paid, you know, you can get paid forever with that. That's something that I know I'll always have, you know. It won't fail. So it's just like my safe haven. Like, no matter what I do during the day, I make sure that at night I stop everything and get to production. I like that because most people, they don't go back to what they started with. They don't go back to what they love. They just let it go because... They don't have time for it anymore. It's important to go back to your roots because you lose yourself. I started with beats and that I used to stay up in college all night. My roommate would tell you my face was like turned toward the door. So like I would never be able to hear anybody that's coming in. And we stayed in an apartment. So I'll have like my headphones in blasting. And like she would just like like say, like she'll tell me on the shoulder, like you were just in the zone. Like you was just going crazy. And I used to do that all night. I even used to skip some classes to to produce. So that's that's my that's my first love. I would never I would never like leave that alone. I would never because I know the power that it it can have like in the future. Always go back to your roots to where you started cuz you going to lose yourself. I like this shit cuz it's reminding me of like so many different episodes we've done and fucking for 100 it's like damn like we're incorporating a lot. I feel special. So let's take it to DJing, right? It's what you're most known for. You were DJ Simi for a long time. Apparently now you're just Simi. Mhm. Man, when it comes to DJing, it's just something that has brought you so many opportunities. It's brought you a lot of stressors. So talk about these opportunities, right? Sway in the morning. Uh, Summer Smash, being able to DJ with Power 92. It's all stuff you've been able to do. And even though you've taken it off your page, you know, what What did those experiences really teach you? It made me realize how raw I was or raw I am because I feel like a lot of the reasons why I'm this DJ and that I'm going to these type of places and everywhere is because I'm a good sound selector. You don't really see me scratching and all that because I am practicing, but... I listen to a lot of music, so it it just taught me, like, how raw I was for real. Because when you go places, a lot of people play the same things. And I feel like when you go to a semi-set, you're going to hear music you probably haven't heard in a long time or new music. That's one thing I always hope, you know. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was on Power 92, because I listen to the city. I know what the city likes to hear. Like, I, I know the artists in the city. And I just, I'm in tune with a lot of music. I don't like that mainstream stuff all day. Like, I like to do my research. I like to see what what, what people are engaged in right now. What is the new vibe? It's mellow bucks right now. 
Shout out to Melo. Hey, shout out Melo. Melo, we need that interview. But, like, I don't know. I just realized back to everything with this, inter- this interview right now. It's just I realized my power when I was DJing. Mm-hmm. A lot of people play the same things, and I play things that are different. What's the biggest sacrifice you had to make to get to these positions? My social life. I don't, like, it's so hard because... I was that person that always wanted to go outside and do all of these things. And even with my relationships, my family, I'm always outside working or I'm always working. Like, if I'm outside, it's pretty much work. It's rare I'm out. Like, yesterday I was out, and I was like, wow, I'm outside. Like, okay. But my family, they always have things going on. Like, I miss trips because I had to DJ a gig that was like, you know, you got to pay the bills, you know? So... It's just a lot of things that I missed out on, but I'm making it my goal this year to give myself time. But that was a huge sacrifice. My relationships. It's a lot of people I'm not even friends with no more because I couldn't even get the time to... A lot of people were mad I wasn't checking up on them or doing this and that, and I lost a lot of friends and a lot of people along the way. So I feel like I sacrificed just a lot of relationships and... It is what it is. It's sad, but it is what it is. Do you feel like it was worth it? Yeah. Because, I mean, if you're not here, then... But do you actually feel like it was worth it? Because I feel like every time I ask somebody, is there anybody you wish that was still around? They never give me the real answer. Like, yeah, everybody's going to put up the front of, yeah, (laughs) it was worth it, right? Because everybody's going to say, if they're not here, fuck them. Because... That that's just the natural mentality we're gonna have. We're gonna feel like shit, I did this on my own. They weren't here. It's all right. It's gonna be okay at the end of the day. But there's also that position where it's like, damn, I do wish they were here to see what I've accomplished. I've met so many different people like with this year alone that I've grown with already because we are on the same page. Sometimes you just gotta let people go that's not on the same page as you. So I do miss some people, but it's for the better. You don't gotta lie to me just to be different. It, it's okay. You you can you can be like everybody else. I'm I'm the sad boy in this situation. But on a real note, like I just look at it from two different perspectives, right? That's why whenever I ask, what's the good in this situation? Okay, but what was the bad in the situation? Because there's always two sides to it. Just like Drip, right? When Drip found out the kid that wasn't his wasn't his. Yes, there was the good to it. I'm not a dad. I don't got to fucking be tied down. But there's that other side where, like, damn, like, that's kind of a fucked up situation that publicly everybody's celebrating with you. But on the personal level, like, what's really going on? You know what I'm saying? There's always two sides to it. That's a big thing with DJs. You, or not even DJs, everybody in this industry, everybody's celebrating with you, but behind the scenes, shit could be blowing up. And going back to what you said, right, having to break up these relationships because of what's going on with you because you need to take time away and go to work. You don't even really got time for yourself. The only person that you have time for is your employer, which you don't even really got an employer, but, you know, the clubs. And it makes me think of the song by Ed Sheeran, Nina. I mentioned this song a lot, but I don't know why it's been on repeat for me recently. He says, and time's the only reason that we could break up because you would always tell me I'm a way too much. Distance is relative to the time that it takes to get on a plane or make a mistake, so say it again. Mm. You'd always tell me I'm a way too much. 
I don't I don't got time for you. I don't got time for me. And that's the last job that you have, right? To be human. Being human is the hardest job you have because it's one that you have to live with every single day at every single moment. And you got to make sure that you're being a good person to yourself, to the people around you, and anybody that comes into your life. Every time I look at my phone, it's something. People sending songs every day. Why you ain't check out my song or why you ain't do this? Like, my own family is... I felt I was so many people, like, family alone just because they feel like they didn't have my support. And it's like, I'm doing the best I can. But I have to take care of myself, too. And I guess people see you taking care of your businesses and they think that's taking care of yourself. But it's like, I still have to make a living. As a creative, a lot of people from the outside looking in, correct me if I'm wrong, but they think that we're just so selfish because we're all up in our creativity. But... That's really what's ma how we're making a living. But a lot of people don't see that as we're making a living. They see it as you just doing your own fluff or whatever. So I had to deal with that. A lot of people were just like, you just be in your own world. You're like A lot of people still to this day call me like selfish in a way. It's just like, that's not really fair because... Because they don't believe in what you're actually doing. If you actually believed in what I was doing, then you would treat it as if I was going to work. You would... Yeah. You would say, like, oh, he, they're going to work, so you're good. Like, don't even worry about it, right? I'll see you later. But a lot of the times people view this as a hobby. They view it as something that you're just doing to do. And that's the problem. And this is the issue I run into a lot. It's like, oh, well, you just record interviews and do all this shit. It's like, no, I don't just record the interview. I edit the interview. I write the interview. Like, it, it's just so much work. And that's why, like, especially recently, right, with all these cancellations, it bothers me so much more because I have a dog now. So now I got to get somebody to watch the dog. I got to pay for the space. I got to write the outline. This is like two days worth of work. This is two days worth of work before you even get to the studio to record this shit. And now when you, we record this shit, I got to take another two, three days to edit this shit. So it's like... I just did half the work, and there's nothing to show for it. Everybody sees the glamour, and it's just, like, it's so much work being put in. I get, like, three hours of sleep a night, and then it'll be, like, a weekend like this one where I can actually, like, sleep on a Saturday, and I'll probably just lay in bed all day. But, like, no one sees that. So when I come home or something and somebody call me and they're like, what you been doing all day? And I'm like, what you mean what I've been doing all day? I just did this, that, this, that. Being a DJ alone, you have to get your sets together. You got to set cues. You got to see, you know, what's my gig tonight? How, how, what I'm going to play for that? Like, it's a lot. You got to get the gigs. You got to reach out. You got to have, like, your brand together. You know, you got to look nice or whatever. It's like, it's so many things that's a part of that. So it's like, you can't, you know, just treat, you can't just act like what I'm doing isn't, important but you know what it's hard for other people to see that and it's fine but it's just like when it comes to a point where it's your relationship is getting tarnished because you can't see that it kind of sucks um but I am trying to make more of an effort with the people that I love every day because they won't be here forever do you feel like there's a specific moment that made you realize like that I need to start cherishing the people around me my best friend I lost her last year um, she got killed, so. Ever since then, I, I think that's where, where, where I started changing anyway. I started changing. 
because um, she was always the type of person that, like, wanted to travel. And we'd be like, why is she going over there to travel? Like, why are you going to Japan? Like, she would really be traveling, like, to crazy places. And then when I lost her, I realized, like, this was my longest friend. Um, I realized I'm going to start living my life and doing whatever and start giving people time because she will always call me. Like, always call me. And if I don't respond, she'll call me again. Like, always call me. Always coming to my gigs. Always in my face. And now that I don't have that, I'm just like, damn, I should have cherished that more, like, when she was here. So now it's like I'm looking for her and other people, and I'm like, I'm, I just want to be that for other people. So that's why I'm like, no matter where I am in life, I'm going to always check up on people. Like, if I got to double call you or whatever, I'm going to do it because that really made me see, like, it's time to, like, get serious with the people you love. I go through that phase where it's like you mourn people that are still alive and you can still talk to them but it's just not the same anymore you know what I'm saying you have those relationships where it's like your homies that you grew up with they were your best friends at one point and now you just don't really have that connection with them because everybody lives their own life and this should get lonely I have so many things going on I can't sit here and update everybody on everything I got going on so it's like people already know let me not reach out to Simi. She not going to be able to go. Or let me not reach out to Simi because she not going to answer. So, and then I just feel like, damn, they, everyone already, when I ask people, like, why you ain't reach out to me for this? You busy. So it's just like, damn, I be feeling lonely at the end of the day. So it's like, you got to pick and choose your battles. So the last quote I took from you, it came from another interview. And you said, there will be days where creatives feel like no one cares. And it's like, like I said, I've I've had those lows recently where it's like, I feel like I'm not doing enough. And nobody's noticing that I'm not doing enough. So it's like, damn, like, who really gives a fuck about this shit? But I was looking through all those reels I had posted throughout, you know, the past two years. 100 episodes just reposting shit. And I noticed, like, my old reels only got, like, three, five, nine likes. Now I get a consistent, like, 50 likes, right? So even though the 50, right, that that's a cool number to have, but it's not where I want it to be. But to consistently have 50 when before I was at three, nine likes a day, it's like we're we're putting up numbers, we're doing shit, we're getting to, we're we're growing, but you don't notice that shit. Last year was really not a good year for me. Um... And I felt like I wasn't growing. Like, and that's probably why I deleted all my stuff on Instagram because I just felt like I wasn't growing. I felt like I was pretty stagnant. And I feel like no one cared. I feel like I was like the underdog. I feel like I I knew I knew what I was capable of, but I just felt like no one gave a fuck. And like no one tried to give a fuck. Like, and then I just started, it was like a a month. I think it was like October. I just started putting in work. I was like, I'm about to just put in work. And then stuff started coming from it. That's when I started getting, like, bigger things. And people were showing interest. And TikTok was, like, it was just so many things that was happening. And I'm just, like, you just have to put in that work because you never know who's watching you. Um, it's so many people that randomly hit me. And I'm, like, oh, shit, this so-and-so. Like, people that, like, fake, for example, Fake Shore Drive. Like, that was even crazy because, like, I was a big, like, Fake Shore Drive fan. And to even be a part of something like that. It's just because I was working, and I thought nobody was looking, but people were looking. So. Shit, that's when we connected. Yeah. That, that October, the... Yep. 
the what was it the Y two K Y two K October. I was so fucked up that yeah. day, bro. That, that was not an okay. Like I got kicked out that day. What? You I, got kicked out the party? I got kicked out because I had snuck in a bottle of tequila. Oh shit! Everybody and be sneaking in bottles. There. The guy had took me downstairs. He's like, "You need to leave." I waited like five minutes. He went back up. I just snuck back in and took my jersey off. <laughs> not you. Switched identity on AS. What do you feel like's the biggest lesson you've learned from your hardest job of being human? To keep going. Because I would do something and accomplish something. Like, I just had a TikTok, like, two days ago that just went up. And now I'm in that position now where I'm, like, kind of lost. I'm like, I just did something. Now, how do I top that? Or how do I how do I just get a bigger audience? Or, like, everybody's just trying to get all these followers and do all these. That's what I'm thinking. I'm just like, how do I do all of this? And it's like... Just keep going because I didn't even think the TikTok a few days ago was going to go up. But that's that's been my biggest struggle right now anyways. And I think I told you that um, when, I, when you asked me the question. I think the biggest thing is to keep going. Like, if you're in a sad place or if you're in a place where you're just really anxious, keep going at your own pace. And that's another thing. I used to always compare myself to everybody Um as a human, not even as a DJ, anything. I, I'll always see, oh, so-and-so was here at this age or so-and-so was there. And it's like everybody has their own path and everybody's doing their own thing. And just as be, just being a human, I'm realizing every day that my life is different and my life is raw. Like, I love my life and I love where I'm going and the and the way I keep going is like the big the bigger things are happening. So I would just say like the hardest thing I learned was like to keep going. Cause I have quit so many times. Like I quit DJing, y'all don't even know. <laughs> I quit producing. I quit everything and then I pick it back up because it's something that I love, but I pick it back up because I know that it's bigger things that lie ahead. So keep going. Don't let them dark times because trust me, they are gonna come. Bro, like, last last year was definitely a dark time. It was, I felt like it was a cloud over me every day. I cry every day. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? Like, am I even supposed to be DJing? Like, It'll make you question everything. It'll make you question your whole life. And like you said, in that voice memo, right? When everything goes bad, you just start to question, like, is this really my purpose? Is this really what I'm supposed to do? And through time, I always say it, time heals all wounds. Push through and everything will resolve itself and at the end of the day the only person that can quit is you you're quitting on yourself and that's when you lose that's gonna be all guys make sure you go ahead like comment and subscribe make sure you pop out to a semi set not dj semi semi <laughs> a semi set i want to give a special thank you to everybody that's been on the podcast this episode 100 shout out to the producer man we wouldn't be here without him and man a lot more shit coming so thank you to everybody sad boys for real Peace out. This is Sad Boy Radio.